Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Here we go, here we go. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, Rogue. I knew you I knew you had it ready to go, so I did not want to step on your toes. Because I knew you had it. Like ready. Like right now. Are you telling me you didn't have it ready? That's all right. We'll just listen to Foo Fighters here for a little bit. It's okay. Can't start. Sorry, Matt. Mike, the- Mike, 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 Mike. There you go. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> hey, better late, than, better late than never. Good morning, everybody. Yes, we got uh, Johnny Fever and we got uh, Sid the Kid Rogue uh, behind the glass. We got Matt with one T sitting in again this morning till 7 while Stink dazzles a national television audience on FS1 with his... Shrewd takes. Before we go any further, let us uh, call out another name in the fan flyaway to Vegas for the big game next month. Benjamin Schrader. Benjamin Schrader. We're going to really test if you're a 6 a.m. listener to the best of the bunch. He ben- doesn't sound like one. Does that? I mean, what, what do you think about Does the cut of the jib there on Benjamin Schrader? Benjamin Schrader? I mean, is it a good cut? Is it a bad cut? That's a good cut. Okay. I like the cut of his jib. I do. Okay. Okay. Benjamin, right, well, we'll, find we'll out. see if you're right. We'll you know see what? if you're right. We're fixing to find out. Benjamin Schrader, you got 10 minutes to call us back. 303-713-1043 get qualified to win the prize, <clears throat> the trip to Vegas. And uh, automatically, whoa, a little froggy in the throat. Hold on there. <laughs> Good morning, Mike Evans. Woo. Uh, you automatically get qualified, and then you win the $50 gift card from GQ Barbecue and the $50 Visa Gift card. So Benjamin Schrader. Let's go. 303-713-1043. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How you doing? I'm good. I, I was thinking of you because I know you? you're a big CU fan. Oh, okay. Is that is that what I am? Well, I shouldn't say. Well, you fan. I cover the team. You're a fan. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I've been doing it okay. for a long time. I guess we're going to go with that this morning. He okay. covers the team. Air quotes. Um. But I was, yeah, I was thinking of you. Give me a break. I was yeah. thinking of you yesterday with the schedule release, the Big Twelve schedule, and just suddenly yes, looking up and down a schedule that all of a sudden has you know uh, Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State and all these 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 schools. And I just wondered yeah. how you felt about it. How do you feel about the sudden shocking transition back to the Big Twelve? I'm conflicted. I'm still I'm still not over getting to go to California and Oregon and a lot of these great locations in the Pac-12, but I'll get there because the one thing that I realized when we went down to TCU to start the season this year, Mike, is the the people are just football crazy. So while the location may not be as great, the atmospheres will be better. So I think in that regard, it should be more fun. Now, in this new 16-team Big 12, we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, there's really the schedule this year, I think, is really good for the Buffs. I do. They, they've got two bye weeks that I think are placed really well, and, and they don't have to travel that much. I mean, the biggest trip this year is... You know, obviously they play Nebraska and CSU in weeks two and three, which those are no big deal. And then in week five, you go to Orlando. And outside of that, I mean, I don't think any of the other trip is any of the other trips are more than an hour and a half flight tops. So that's nice. 
And I, and I actually like the way that things have shaped up. They get some of the tougher teams on their slate at home this year. And I think those first those first three, because you open up with North Dakota State, who is an FCS powerhouse, right? And, and at least that's at home. And then you've got two on the road against two rivals you played last year and you beat last year. So we'll see how they do with the emotional portion of the early slate because I think that was one thing we learned last year was, I mean, starting with you know, Nebraska and CSU in that fashion, especially after the big emotional win over TCU, it took a lot out of them, I think. So I think they've learned from that, and hopefully here moving forward this year, they they can find a way to sustain a little bit better. I like it. I, I have to be honest, I never truly embraced the Pac-12. I never did. It just never really felt right, felt natural, and to to see them back in the Big 12, to see them playing these teams, I know it's not as fun a road trip for, for a lot of Buff fans as uh, some of the Pac-12 destinations, but it just... It what just, is there to do in Lubbock, just, Texas? It just, feels, it just feels like they're where they belong. I, I can't describe it any other way. It just it feels more natural for them to be playing. I guess I think of them more as a... You know, Midwest mountains, you know, Southwest, South type team more than I think of them as just a West Coast team. That's fair. And and for the majority of their history, they were. Yeah. So I, I don't blame you whatsoever. It's just obviously what's happened over the last decade plus. I, I like the fact that they've got Utah at home, Oklahoma State at home. Those are probably the two toughest teams on their schedule. But a lot of these schools that you think perennially, you know, are, are really good, like Baylor. Baylor wasn't any good last year. Cincinnati wasn't any good last year. Texas Texas Tech was a mid you know mid level Big Twelve team. Now that doesn't mean that I think CU is going to go out and win the Big Twelve next next year necessarily. But I'll, I'll just say I think this is a conference where you've got a chance to be one of the perennial powers if you can continue recruiting at the rate that they're recruiting and things continue on an upward trajectory. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I am. I think it's a better level of competition. They're not going to have to go up against the organs and the USC's every year. And while that was fun, they never had any success. So I think they are where they belong. And obviously, television contract-wise, it, it's a much better deal for them so I, I, I'm looking forward to the Big 12 era, certainly this season. This season ought to be a ton of fun. We'll hear a lot more from uh, Deion Sanders uh, throughout the course of the morning as he was making the rounds yesterday. We'll hear a lot from him. But up next, I want to take this opportunity, Matt, since uh, you're here for the hour, to talk a little bit about the uh, Avs at the All-Star mm. break. Are you happy with what they are right now and uh, where they are in the standings? And do you feel like they're well set up for a Stanley Cup run or do they need to add more? That's coming up next. You use your cell phone for a lot of things, but you shouldn't have to use it for everything. You deserve reliable home internet that fits your life and your budget. And right now, Internet Essentials Plus from Xfinity is free through the Affordable Connectivity Program. Get unlimited data and equipment included with no annual contract. Go to Xfinity.com slash free to see if you qualify. Restrictions apply. After program participation ends, Comcast standard charges, taxes, and fees apply. May not be combined with other offers. Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Mark will be coming along at 7 o'clock as he is uh, finishing up doing some national television some kind of yap fest with uh, FS1. 
our old buddy Craig Carton. So he's doing that. He'll be back with us at 7. Matt Smith sitting in, as he has been throughout the course of the week. Really appreciate it. Not easy to just get up and do one-hour radio when it's 6 a.m. It's uh, not exactly, hey, Matt, can you fill in for an hour, like between 3 and 4 in the afternoon? No, this is 6 to 7 a.m. What do you think my reaction was when they asked me? Okay. Uh, All right. All right. Okay. You got it. Mike owes me one. Yeah, Mike, uh, Michael, get me back. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. I got you. I got you solid. Uh, So it's a great opportunity. I know you and I both love talking hockey, love talking about the abs, and just kind of checking in on them as they are now in this nice long break. Um, They've been off since, what, Friday did they play? Friday night was their last night. Friday night was their last night, and they haven't played and will not play for nine days. days. And meanwhile, there there were still NHL teams playing last night. So, nice long break for the Avs. And at this, this, I guess, unofficial halfway point, how do you feel about them? Hmm. Well... I would say that things are looking better over the last several weeks than I felt like they were throughout the majority of December because it felt very similar to how we saw them finish the last season. They have been driven this year by Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, which is to be expected. But there was a lack of contributions throughout the lineup. And as we saw last season, especially against the Kraken in the playoffs, you got to be more than a one-line team. And the one thing with this team is without Landeskog in the lineup, and since they tried to replace Kadri with a guy who has just completely flopped here in Ryan Johansson, they're missing that second-line driver. They need to send lines and waves. And they've gotten very fortunate because Logan O'Connor, Ross Colton, and Miles Wood Colton and Wood right now with Drouin look like three really solid offseason additions. Johansson unfortunately flopped, which was their biggest one of the offseason. But those three guys have found some symmetry and right now are shaping up to be a really solid third line. So you've got lines one and three figured out. And then they just picked up Zach Parise off the street, right? So they're trying to revamp their fourth line. I think they're almost there with that line. We'll see if they do anything else. But the second line center is the question. Yeah. Now, the other part of this is what's the story with Val Nichushkin? Because while we expect that he will be back, we don't know that to be the case for sure. And if that's the case, it changes. Now, I'm sure they have more of an idea than we do, but... His status, in my opinion, really, really puts things in perspective at the deadline, and hopefully we get more clarity within the month. I think they expect him to be back, but even if he does come back, how reliable will he be when he is back? And, you know, they're back out on the road during the playoffs. And If he misses, like, one month, I think he'll be okay. Two months, I think maybe it'll take him a week or a couple weeks to get back up to speed. If it's any longer than that, and we're talking about Val being out till closer to playoffs, then I'd start to get a little bit concerned. However, you don't really have any choice in the matter. you got to play the the hand you're dealt. I, I do agree with you that the supporting cast is better than it was, or at least up to this point, is better than it was a year ago. But it was really bad last year, so oh, much yeah. so that they completely broomed up pretty much the entire supporting cast and started over. So that's an acknowledgement right there. So it is better, but it still comes down. This isn't about winning their division. This isn't about even winning the Western Conference. This is about do you see a team, and based on what we saw and know what a Stanley Cup winning team looks like from just a couple years ago, does this team look like a Stanley Cup contender? And I still think they're short 
in in a couple areas, and mainly it's that second line center. Look, Nazem Kadri, he made such a huge impression on, on me and all of us for for what you want from that second line center, and they just don't have that kind of center right now. So that leads to the next question then. Do do you and how aggressive are you in trying to go out and find that second line center? I bring up the name Elias Lindholm, who mm-hmm. is uh currently uh with Calgary and is is struggling, uh, but yet is is somebody that is regarded as a a, a piece that could really help put somebody over the top. But yet you see the the asking price for a guy that's a rental. Uh, he'd be a rental. And you're talking about Logan O'Connor. You're talking about a 2024 uh, first-round pick and, and another prospect. Is is this the kind of move you would make? Well, that was the most recent report from The Athletic where they were basically speculating on what a package for Lindholm might look like. The Avs would never do that. They would never trade a first-round pick, another another first-round pick from this year, and Logan. That would never happen. Elias Lindholm isn't that valuable. He, you look at his numbers without Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau, and he's just not the same player. Yeah. He may have been that guy a couple of years ago, but he's not now. And if you're talking about that type of value for a rental, it's not worth it because the Avs have some really big decisions coming up here. What's the story with Gabriel Landeskog? Yeah. That's a huge one. The Avs don't have any cap space left. They got like a million two right now. I think by the deadline they would have to spend. That's nothing. If they want to add anything, they're going to have to move something out. And I have been a very strong advocate of owning up to the mistake of trading for Johansson, recognizing it is a terrible fit for a guy who's barely playing 12 minutes a night, you know, if that, and move on and slap a draft pick on him, whether it be a you know, 26, you know, second rounder or whatever it is, even if you have to give up a little bit of a bigger pick to get that cap space back, that's the only way they can maneuver at the deadline. And I'm just not so sure that they're going to be able to find a dance partner for a deal like that, A, or B, be willing to move on. So we'll see how that plays out. Can I throw out a name that when I say it, you're going to think, wow, that's fantasy land. But let me back it up. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give you a chance here, Mike. Win me over. Sidney Crosby. <laughs> let don't, me, te- don't tease me, Mike. Let me Mike, don't, Mike, okay. don't tease let's, me. Let's, let's talk here, right? You've got, right. You've got right. Pittsburgh right, let's right talk now. Turkey. You've got Pittsburgh right now is um, six points out of the final wild card spot uh, in the East. So that that's a, a pretty significant amount to, to make up for a Pittsburgh team that's you know been hovering around 500 for most of the year. Not uh, impossible, but but not impossible. But as you get, you know, you're still trade deadlines not till March eighth, so you still have time to, at that point, have a real good sense of where your season's going. If you're the Penguins, he's got one year left on his contract after this year, in which he'll be 37. And at that point, Pittsburgh has been trying to hang on, hang on. And slap band-aids to try to stay competitive during the whole Sid, Malkin, Latang years. So at that point, do they decide, you know what? It's time to rebuild. Sid, you'll always be a Penguin. Just like Ray Bork, you will always be a Bruin. But we want to give you a chance to go get another kick at a Stanley Cup. We're going to send you to Colorado. (laughs) You get me excited over here. I I have always thought that that would be the natural move if he were to ever leave Pittsburgh. I just 
don't think that the Penguins franchise is going to do that. They just re-upped Crosby and Malkin, and they got Latang, and they made a huge offseason move for Eric Carlson. They kind of went all in. Right, and, and how's and that working for them? It's not working, but we've seen it in other situations where even if it doesn't... Look at Ovechkin right now with the Caps. It's not like they're going to move him, even though they don't have much of a future. So I just... That is that is a one of the game's legends, and B that is you know I mean they had Lemieux, but phew, I mean that's Sidney Crosby. I don't know if they'll be willing to go down that road. If you're the Avs, are you obviously interested? Yeah. Would you move heaven and earth to do it? Yeah. Would you trade just about? Would you give up an O'Connor if you had to for that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Yes, on the avalanche part, that would clearly be a no-brainer. You'd do whatever you needed to do because that would be a perfect fit. However, from Pittsburgh's side, I just I don't think they'll ever move on. I think he will retire a Penguin, right, I, just, even if it doesn't work out. Maybe now, maybe I'll leave myself some room to be pleasantly surprised. I just I, I don't see it happening, unfortunately. All right, fair enough. But I just wanted to toss that it's out. It's a there. swing that you know I love, though. You know, we went through the whole thing with, with Bork and all the things you said about Sid and the Penguins applied to Bork and the Bruins, and yet... Um, hey, and maybe it happened. We know how that You're from out. Boston. You're from Boston. Did you ever think that no. Bork was going to leave? No. No. And when he came so, out here, I was ecstatic. Beyond were ecstatic. Were you shocked, though? You were shocked, though. Well, what, once it became apparent he was going to be traded, I was ready for him to be traded, but it didn't look like it was going to be Colorado. Colorado came out of nowhere, really. Right. And then right. it looked like it was going to be Philadelphia, but it ended up being the Avs, and the rest is the rest is history. Morning Brew coming up next. Uh, Deion Sanders talking about playoffs. And we finally hear from Bo Nix. What exactly does Bo Nix sound like? You'll hear it next. It's time for your Morning Brew. Grab a cup of joe and get caught up on everything you need to know. Here's Schlereth and Evans. Matt Smith staying in for Stink until 7 o'clock. CU dropped their schedule, their Big 12 schedule for next year, and has uh, a schedule that has Deion Sanders already uh, talking about making the playoff in 2024. Shoot, I believe, man. I don't just wear this on my shirt and on my chest. I truly believe that what we have in-house, last year, and Key watched all these games, man, we were seven points away from a multitude of wins. Uh, Probably seven or eight more wins. We just didn't know how to win. We got our, we got our butts kicked twice. We got our butts really kicked twice. There was no win. When we walked in, it was 30 on the scoreboard. Mm. But uh, several of those games, we could have won those games. We could have really been a whole team. All right, Matt, you were there for every press conference. You were there for every game, home and away. Do you see the potential for a team that went 4-8 and eight last year flipping that and even getting to, let's say, 10, 11 wins and putting themselves in position to be in the expanded 12-team college football playoff? Uh, first of all, we don't even know who the defensive coordinator is going to be yet. We don't know what the final roster looks like yet. But I will say that you probably have two of the top five picks in the 2025 draft. Seven to eight wins ought to be the baseline, ought to be the floor this year of what's expected. And Coach Prime knows that. Now, I think that there is a chance that they could make a run. However, that being said, it's going to be a challenge because it's a first year in the new conference. And he knows that 
last year was the hopeful year, was reviving a dead program, and this year is the expectation. And if they fall short, he will be the one to take the brunt of the blame. So I'll just say, I would say seven to eight wins is, is where I'm at right now, and we'll see how they progress from where they are right now. We'll see who they hire at D.C. We'll see who leaves the program after the spring, who joins the program after spring, and then we'll go from there. But uh, the way too early prediction is 7-8 to eight right now. Yeah, I had uh, I have them flipping uh, as the baseline. 4-8 and eight last year, 8-4 and four next year, and then we go from there. Next on the Morning Brew, we finally hear from Bo Nix, who uh, at the Senior Bowl talked about the uh, fact that he's had five different offenses in five years of college football. You know, five offenses in five years, uh, five different play callers, and so I've been around the block. I've been able to learn from a lot of different people who've had a lot of different success. You know, they've been able to coach a lot of great quarterbacks in the past and uh, lead a lot of great offenses, all of them, uh, in their, um, you know, respectful ways. I guess the burning question is, is Mark going to be disappointed when he hears that that's how Bo Nix talks? I think so. I mean, but for a guy that's from the South, you know, you figure there's at least a little twang. Uh But it sounds like he spent a little too much time up in Eugene. (laughs) Is that what happens? I think that might be what happened. He got a little whitewashed up there in the Northwest. You lose the draw. You lose lose a little bit of your redneck when you go to Eugene. Well, I mean, if if you walk into a store like that, they might not even understand you up there. You know, they're they're up in the woods. Up next on the Morning Brew should be a fun one to watch tonight as the Denver Nuggets uh, take on the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, a a team that has made huge strides this year. But speaking of huge strides, how about the improvement of Peyton Watson? On the Nuggets bench, Jamal Murray has certainly taken notice. The message gets across to him, um, and he does a good job in, of applying that in the game. So I think whether it's offense, defense, like cutting, staying still, um, taking his time, speeding it up, um, being aggressive, or getting a rebound and kicking it out to, to me or York or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of picking his spots, and, 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 and he knows when, um, uh, when to be aggressive. So I think he, he's just playing a complete game. Matt, when you look at the Western Conference, uh huh, who's the Nuggets' biggest competition? Who's their biggest threat? That is a good question. I think it's Minnesota. That's why I asked it. I well, you know, sometimes you surprise me, Mike. Yeah, I yeah, think it's yeah. I think it's Minnesota right now. I do. Tim Connolly built that team to beat Denver, and Phoenix Phoenix had some good performances, but I thought it was Minnesota that at least feigned the biggest challenge for the Nuggets yeah. last year. And and I just think when when you throw that size, they'll have learned from that series and they'll be better if they were to match up this year. Although it's Minnesota right, <laughs> at the very right. same time. It's Rudy Gobert. Exactly. It's Carl Anthony Towns. So I, I I don't really get scared of them. I'll tell you who I don't get scared of is the Lakers. Oh, they are in a free fall. They got hammered again last night. So, yeah, I'd probably say Minnesota. Look, this OKC, te- OKC team tonight, it's actually a big game. OKC is up on them in the season series 2-1. to one. So, if we care about seeding at all, if you care about home court for the playoffs, you do need this game to even the season series for tiebreaker purposes. So, Nikola Jokic, game time decision for tonight. I imagine he's going to play. We'll see how it plays out, though. But this is one that I think that the Nuggets are going to want. 
I still think Oklahoma City's a year away, but they're yeah, definitely they early. They're definitely coming on fast. I, I, the team that I'm going to be watching just to see if they're whole by the time the playoffs start, the Clippers. Who? The Clippers. <laughs> oh, the Clippers. <laughs> the Clippers. Okay. Because okay. They, they've been playing really good basketball right now, but the, the thing with the Clippers is you're just like, okay, will they all be healthy come playoff time? And if they are, then I think they'll be formidable. But we got a long way to go between now and the start of the playoffs. Next on the Morning Brew, Colorado State hoops. They beat San Diego State last night. Big win for the Rams, especially when you consider what happened in their last game. The backstory, if you're not familiar with it, boy, did they choke away uh, a loss in um, Wyoming over the weekend where they were up. No joke. They were up by nine points with 40 seconds left in the game. Mm-hmm. They're up 64 to 55 with 40 seconds left in the game, and they lost. Not in overtime. Uh, yes, they did lose in overtime, yes, but they, they but they yes, but they, they coughed up that lead in the final. They coughed up a nine-point lead in the final 40 seconds of the game. Lost in overtime, but bounced back yesterday. And uh, Nico Medved, the coach of the Rams, talked about uh, how they how they handled that shocking loss. And I knew the number one thing is we had to repair these guys emotionally, right? And and for us, it was just we talked a lot, you know, and talked a lot about it. Um, we weren't going to dwell on it or anything like that. You, you don't go in and try to shame these guys for what they did. They all know. Everybody else tries to shame them, but they, they know the deal. They care. They hurt. Nice job. Nice job of coaching. Nice job of, of uh, leadership by the players because, you know, that's the kind of, They were already not playing great, Colorado State. And to lose a game like that, that could send uh, your entire season into just a free fall. But a nice rally against uh, what I think is the class of the Mountain West. So... Good job, Rammies. Yeah, they came out nicely last night. 37 in the first half. They started really early. They got Fresno State on the road and then a big one at home against Boise State. They got to keep it rolling here because as it stands, they're 4-4 four and four in conference. And to make the tournament, they're in good in a good spot right now, but you can't go on some sort of losing streak here to end the year and think that everything's going to remain the same. They got to stay on the right side of the bubble compared to the guys, you know, in Boulder. <clears throat> Are, are they on the right side of the bubble? I don't think so. Not right now. They, they, so. they got some work to do I as don't well. A so. lot to uh, react to. That'll do it for the uh, morning brew. Want to open up the text line to you. Also, be listening if you're qualified or if you're signed up to win and get qualified for our Vegas flyaway for the game next month, Kansas City and San Fran. So we'll open up the text line to you next. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver's Sports Station 1043, The Fan. Smith in with us for this final segment, and Mark's going to come in hot after so hot. doing a, a few hours of national TV talk on uh, FS1, so he'll be uh, coming in here in just a few. Want to uh, get to uh, some of the text here on the Ramoslaw.com text line. Also be listening. We'll have another name to call out in our Vegas fan flyaway in just a few. But uh, by the way, uh, Nugget fans, thank you. Your prayers have been been heard and felt. Uh, clearly, your prayers for Joel Embiid to return to good health uh, were heard. He played last night. Oh, my. He played last night and responded with a season low of field goals with only five as uh, Philadelphia got blown out at Golden State 119-107. to But uh, 
boy, this this injury that Joel Embiid could not play through on Saturday against Nikola Jokic just uh, three days later, he was good to go out there and play 30 minutes of and NBA got, basketball. And then he got really hurt. Did you see? I'm not even kidding. He, he got landed on by Kaminga on the same knee and had to leave the game early. He's, well, at this He's point... He's getting MRIs now. No, he actually got hurt. Like, like legitimately, I saw with my own eyes last night. Kaminga landed right on his left knee, and he had to leave the game. He was writhing around it. Uh, of course he was writhing around. Well, he has played in 34 games, uh, needs to play in, in 31 more to be able to reach the minimum of 65 to be eligible for the MVP. Philadelphia only has 36 games left. He can only miss five games. But as you mentioned, he did get uh, banged up again last night. So who knows? He could be out. Uh, I I honestly think that he um, has no problem with uh, sacrificing, forfeiting a chance to win the MVP this year. I think he got what he wanted last year, and he's good. I agree. He's good. Yeah, he got his. He got his. I, 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 I don't think it's worth it, really. And not only that, if, if he wants to stay healthy in the playoffs, he straight up cannot even play 65. That's just the his body is telling him that's not his that's not his bag. And that's why you and I sat here the other day and said, we don't think this team is physically or mentally tough enough to make any sort of deep run. Now, obviously, you and I both hope that he's OK. But at the very same time, it doesn't change my level of respect for him just because he got actually hurt last night. <laughs> another one on the another one on the uh, text line, Ramoslaw.com text line. You guys uh, love the conversation about the Avs and Sidney Crosby uh, potential, but the big mm-hmm. difference between Crosby and Ray Bork is that Bork never won a cup in Boston. They traded him to give a chance of getting one. Sid has true. three with the Pens. That's true. But when was his last one? Gosh, a long time ago. Right? What do I want to say? Uh... Fever's looking it up for us. Fifteen, maybe, or is that too is that too soon? I'd say it's been a solid seven, eight years. Yeah, since they I won. would say it hadn't and, been and, sooner and, than fifteen. Seventeen, two thousand seventeen. Well, okay, one. seventeen. All right, all right, seventeen. Yeah, I mean, look, it just depends upon what they want to do as a franchise moving forward. Would I love to have him here? Yeah. Is there any player in the league that I could think of outside of Nassim Kadri that I'd rather have as second line center? No, no. I mean, that's the guy. And as far as you know, the fact that he's won the Cups, I, I think you could easily look at it the same way that you, you look at it with um, with Bork and, and some of these other players who you, you, you know that they're always going to be affiliated with your franchise. That's never going to change, right? But yet you still you show them the respect that they deserve and, and you also just want to do what's best for them. I think the best franchises do. And and say, hey, listen, you know, we're we're at a point now. If we're deciding that we're going to trade you, it's because we we need to rebuild. And you're always going to be a penguin. But if if this can help us speed up the rebuilding project uh, pro- uh, project and also give you another chance to win a cup, hey, it's a win win for everybody. I, I just just something to watch, I guess. If the penguins okay. fall uh, further and further out of out of contention. Uh, Evans, your boy Sean needing help with the offense with that new hire. He needs help. That's a Hackett move right there. Ah, uh, Pete Carmichael. <laughs> Settle down. Just uh, a bit. So, so let me let me ask the texture here. So then you thought it was a sign of weakness when uh, Gary Kubiak came here and brought all his uh, friends and former coaches along with him. Why can't I be happy? <laughs> that is that a sign of weakness too? 
I was reading that Chase Daniel, who played for Sean Payton in New Orleans, we all know Chase Daniel. The you know the when you look up clipboard in the dictionary, you see his picture. He actually said that it was the Lombardi Payton Carmichael triumvirate that really was the key cog to success in New Orleans. So look, we we've, we've been talking about Sean's going to bring more of his guys in. Surprise, surprise, and I bet you he's not the last one. I mean, we've seen Cody, Mr. Rager, and we've seen Carmichael here in the last several days. So I, I'm not all that surprised. Are you? No, and it's the way it should be. Uh, right. I think Kubiak said it uh, a long time ago when he was bringing back the Rick Dennisons of the world and uh, the Brian Perrianis. He said something to the effect that, look, if I'm going to be spending 16, 17 hours a day with my coaches, I want to be with guys I like and respect and get along with. And I trust. And I, I think that anytime you find a coach who's been doing it for a long time, if he has a chance to bring people that he's worked with before, he's going to do it. And it, it's, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a, a sign of um, desperation. It's doing what coaches have, have done forever. So, no, I don't think it's a, it's a big deal. One more. Uh, on the Ramoslaw.com text line, uh, this is a question for you, Matt. Having mm. covered CU football the last couple of years and having watched Oregon, what's your opinion of Bo Nix? I think he's a bit more of like an a, a slightly more athletic Mac Jones. That's how I describe him. His Squishy. numbers, yeah, I, I, I would. That's how I would describe him. He's kind of got a little bit of a noodle arm, more of an accuracy guy. He set the NCAA record for completion percentage. This year in a season at 77%. He's a guy who I think can operate in, in offense from the pocket. But what they did with him at Oregon, where he finally had success, it was very RPO heavy. They got the ball out quickly, two playmakers. He wasn't asked to do all that much. And by reading Cecil's report yesterday from the uh, Senior Bowl, it doesn't sound like Bo had a great day one. So uh, he's going to have to pick it up here day two. That he's just he's not a guy that that really gets your motor going. You know, I, I can't see him being a long term solution. However, I could see him. And as the season ended and Russ got benched in the back of my mind, the thought creeped in that if there's one quarterback I could see myself or see Sean convincing himself about, it would be Bo Nix. So we'll see how he plays, you know, day two here, senior bowl. This is a big one for Bo. And as always, finally, a reminder that uh, CSU is always in CU's thoughts and the other way around. Uh, CSU doesn't care if they win another basketball game this year. They beat Colorado. That's all those sad sacks in Fort Collins live for is to beat CU. Their season is made. Uh, so okay. There right, you go. Man. Good morning. <clears throat> there you go. Hey, I like it. It's what makes college sports fun, right? The you saw Dion yesterday. He said that he wished he could open the season with CSU. He said what? I'm sorry. I missed that. I said Dion yesterday on Undisputed said that he wished he could open the season with CSU. He, he's looking forward to that one. Don't you worry. Well, that'll that be one's game, circled uh, on his calendar. That'll be game three on the yeah. uh, new schedule. It goes uh, North Dakota State at home, then at Nebraska, and then at CSU. So a challenging start to the season right there. Matt, thank you very much. We'll do this again tomorrow morning at 6. You know what they say about tomorrow, Mike. What's that? Just a day away. Oh, can't wait. Stink joins us next.